In today's episode, we have the beautiful Anastasia. Anastasia is an energy alchemist and empowerment coach. She guides women to heal and reconnect to their power and thrive in their relationships. Anastasia, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. You're very, oh, you're very welcome, Anastasia. What What is a energy alchemist coach? So I also call myself a love activist, right? right? So an Energy alchemist, we're all energy, right? So this is so cliche right now, but you know, it's demonstrated. We're all made up of energy. So basically what I do in with my clients in, in sessions is alchemizing that energy that is like maybe stuck in specific, you know, core wounds or specific experiences. You're taking it, you're transforming it, you're, you know, looking at it from a different perspective and that alchemizes the whole perspective of that energy let's just say not not what happened but how we how we actually connected to to that specific memory or whatever so an energy alchemist is actually someone who is supporting you to in your own process of alchemizing all those stuck emotions that energy that you kind of have somewhere in your past in a specific experience beautiful beautiful how did your journey come about like was you always have you been doing this like how how did it all come about the journey specializing in this niche how did it come about so a few words about me i have been in the well-being and energy healing space since 2015 16 um Although to be fair, uh, the first time I meditated with a crystal, I think I was back in high school. And before that, I was exposed to all these energy healers that were coming to, I'm, I'm Romanian of origin. So they were coming from Russia and from the um, uh, Republic of Moldova. Wow. So it was all about, my mom used to take me to these um, events that were held in, in my hometown. So I was exposed to that. And um on a on a more of a funny side of things, my 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 friend and uh, and I in high school, we were just you know setting ourselves uh, homeworks. Like, okay, we're gonna go home and we're gonna concentrate and we're gonna bend some bond, spoons or some metal things. So, I have always been interested in in this world of of energy, of energetics, and what's beyond the the three D dimensional reality of you know what we call real. However, um, I think the the, the birth of my son, but also some really difficult romantic relationships <laughs> kind of made me look at, okay, where, I'm, where am I creating my life from? What kind of beliefs do I hold about myself, about the world? Um, what makes me repeat patterns, meeting the same kind of people, different faces, but the same yeah. energy and, and, and things like that. So it was a, it was a mix of everything. Wow. That is so beautiful. And I've heard like a lot of women when, when they have their child, things open up where it be, they start working harder in their business or they have this kind of push or they become more gentle. They want to do good. They want, um, the world to be a greener place, a safer place. Um, so it's beautiful to know that. Um, with the yeah, having a child activates you in a specific way. Having my son was a moment when I realized, okay, I was correlating things that happened in my own childhood, the way I was um, raised in the first three years of, you know, it's the first seven years are very important because 
the brain is in a theta brainwave state. You're kind of whatever you're given, whatever you're told, whatever you're you're witnessing becomes your reality, your belief system. So when my son was born, I kind of realized, okay, these patterns and this is how I want to raise him or this is what I want him to have and what I didn't have. So yeah, it kind of woke me up to how my life was unfolding and the relationship with, with the childhood and how important it was to, to feel safe in, in, in those first years of life, especially the first three years. Beautiful, beautiful. Because when, when we take action like that, it means anything we needed to heal, we begin to make those changes so we don't repeat those patterns. So, exactly. so in, the, in today's episode, we will be talking about emotional core wounds. For the person that may not have, have never heard about emotional core wounds, what can we say about it? First of all, that we all have them. <laughs> There is not one person on on this planet that doesn't. And that even though you might feel or hear things that trigger you, it's not such a big deal. And they can be approached to heal um, and alchemized in a not so dramatic way, as long as you're 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 having an awareness of what happens. So there are six major, let's just say, core wounds. Um usually they are kind of instilled in us in early childhood. Some of them are secondary coming from parents and caregivers. And that would be the abandonment wound, the rejection wound, the betrayal wound, the neglect wound, the humiliation wound, the um, injustice wound. Did I leave everything, anything out? Rejection, abandonment. uh, Humiliation? Humiliation. Yes, that was it. Injustice. Yeah. All, all six. There's always one that I, I, it, I, I forget. Um, yeah. So these are the big, the major wounds. And usually they, they, they are inflicted on us by, you know, whatever happens in our childhood, um, our care, caregivers, the circumstances of our, of our upbringing. And I, I keep mentioning that the first seven years of life are very important and whatever we, we experienced and we, we lived in those seven years marked us. And um, a lot of us are not even, I, I actually did a, a workshop on emotional wounds a while ago. N- not a lot of people are actually realizing or they are aware of emotional core wounds and, a lot of the people that I came in contact with is just like, you can, you know, my, my childhood was perfect. I thought my childhood was amazing, right? And then you kind of realize that your inner children are stuck in frozen moments where they felt hurt or they, fe- or they felt uh, unseen or, you know, not, not important, not safe. And that creates the actual one. So now that you say it um, about this, so my father left in 2006 and I was 12 years old. And what I realized that the abandonment wound, so I had a partner that was 14 years older than me and in him, I saw my father. And I remember one time we was arguing and I said to him, you remind me of my father. And he said to me, I'm not looking for a daughter. I'm looking for a partner. There you go. That's, that's actually something really, it's, it's an amazing thing that he said, because what we tend to do, and this is subconscious, right? Until you're actually bringing awareness on that thing, it's, it's a subconscious thing. We're looking in our partners for fathers, friends, confident, everything, just someone to heal whatever 
the wound is, right? We don't realize that. However, so having said that, you said that your father left when you were 12 and then your partner was way older than you. So clearly you were needing that father figure. And he had the right answer because the moment you realize that you have one of these wounds that we're going to talk about, that's the moment you're basically going away, solving your stuff, you know, journaling, meditating, healing, therapy, whatever you choose, and then coming back to the table as a grown adult to have a, an equal partnership. And many times than not, you are going to attract a person that would have a complementary wound to yours. Whoa. So basically, usually we attract unhealed partners to, the thing is that you're, you're looking at them and you're like, you're doing this and you're hurting me. However, if you stop for one second, take a step back and realize, oh my God, you're my greatest gift because I get to work on the things that really, you know, disturb me or really hurt me or really make me feel not enough or not seen. So instead of like, okay, you're to blame and I'm not taking responsibility off anyone, obviously, but it's that moment of, okay, I have this. What can I do with it? Anas right? Anastasia, what you said was beautiful because sometimes we we refuse or we reject, right? We want to put the blame on others. And as well, like, for example, for me, I was just like, what is going on? But then it takes an element of maturity and element of maturity to say, okay, this in part, your actions from the other half is what you have done. But I have a choice in 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 sitting down and changing my perspective, changing my inner world so that my outer world can change. What would you say to anyone that's having a hard time or that doesn't want to face the reality of their inner wounds, where it be trauma, where it be um, whatever that may be? That they will repeat it over and over and over again until universe, God, whatever you want to believe in will you know, like pin you down and you're like going to be like, okay, you have to look at this now or just go through life totally unconscious about your choices. And then I do believe that you come back and repeat it over and over again until you learn it. So what's more of an incentive? The thing is, I totally understand this. It's painful and triggering and you might very well be afraid to look at your at your stuff because you've built an identity of yourself, right? You're the person who's always leaving or you're the person who's always, I don't know, cheated on, or you're the person who is always getting all the attention from the guys or the girls. So, you know, ego doesn't want you to change. And ego is all these belief systems that created, that were created in you at an early age that keep you safe. So ego doesn't want you to get hurt. They want, it wants you, your, your belief system wants to keep you safe. Okay. You know that this is what you do. This is what you know. This is how you feel. You make yourself, you know, you, you're, we're keeping you safe. So changing, actually looking at, okay, I'm, I'm choosing partners that show me this, or I'm going from uh, bed to bed because I cannot commit to anyone. I cannot open up. I cannot be vulnerable. I cannot blah, blah, or I'm too clingy. I'm too attached. I'm afraid of rejection. All these kind of things. <sighs> it's very scary to change because who are you without all these stories? If all your life you knew that you were 
you know, the part, the, the heart of the party and the, the boy who gets all the girls. If you want to look at what makes me run from one bed to another, so you're taking this away from yourself. Who are you without your identity of a, you know? And it takes you out of your comfort zone because you have to unlearn certain patterns. And, exactly. and sometimes the, the truth about the matter of healing of growth is that sometimes you may not be able to resonate with the people that you were once with or used to hang out. So that for me hurt me the most. And I was like, yes. to a certain extent, forcing myself. And it's like, inside my soul was rejecting it like we're not doing this anymore and it's like you really want to do it you really want to do it and it's like awful it's like a an addiction i would say because it's not only about the food it's not only about the drugs the alcohol sex it's about addiction to your own mental chatter it's the fact that you know you have to leave behind some people that are not aligning with your energy you don't want to lose the safety of your let's just say community tribe right uh, you want to be you want to continue to be uh, accepted approved validated so it's it's um counting on all these like external factors to make you feel good inside i am the person who gets all the guys or the girls i am the person who is admired i am the person you know it's it's um it's an addiction to an identity which you think it's you because you never took the time to actually look at yourself and say, actually, who am I? Beyond all these masks, who am I, right? For, for the person that may still, she, they're, they're understanding, they're listening. Would these emotional core wounds stand out in our job, in our relationships, in our friendships, yes. in, in our phases in life? Look, at, I always say, when it was like, okay, what, what am I supposed to be start to, starting to, to work on? And I always say, look at your life. And that's going to be, we say it's subconscious or unconscious, but it's not. Because you, if you look at your reality, you will know exactly what kind of fears and belief systems, limiting beliefs you, you are. I'm going to give you, for example, my mother. My mother has been, her, she lost her dad when she was 14. Okay. So obviously orphan, right? Very difficult year. She was going to high school and so on. No therapists. You know, that was a long time ago. My mom, my mom is in her 70s. So no learning how to regulate emotions, dealing with loss. There was no family therapist to come home and just, you know, they had to deal with it. She was sent to school uh, far from home, to high school. So she had to live there in a dorm with other people, with very, you know, people who had no idea that she just had lost her, her dad in the summer, right? So after a few, after a few months of her, from her father's death, um, the environment was quite strict. That created a huge abandonment wound that she perpetuated through me, through my brother, you know, through pregnancy, the DNA. Oh, okay. The genetic. Right? So you're thinking DNA information goes back to 14 generations. Wow. Everything that your ancestors felt, it's, it's stored there as information how to. So we're not talking only about childhood. We're talking about, you know, her childhood and so on. Right. So she, 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 she had this abandonment wound that showed in the way she raised us in the fear that she had of us. Not so helicopter parent, something that we, you know, we had to be very controlled in order to be safe. Like I couldn't go to the cinema at 14 by myself with my friends because maybe there was someone there who wanted to rape you or whatever. So fear 
drove her. It was love for me, but it was the fear of something happening to me. So obviously uh, beliefs that people leave you um, kind of showed in the way she raised us in terms of be careful with your friends, they will betray you. It's, it's everything. The way you, do, you deal with relationships, if you're a person who has a wound of rejection, for example, you will cling on to a partner, a new partner. You will always want to be validated to make sure that you are approved all the time, that, you know, if you're having a neglect wound, you will be that hyper-independent person who will be like, I don't need anyone. However, very dependent in your romantic relationships because you're looking for that mother that didn't give you the attention you, you needed. So you will see the way you... If you're a relationship hopper, how I call them, if you're a person who stays with someone, I don't like labels. And I've heard this whole about narcissism so much that it's like super overrated because in the end, all these people who have all these kind of things, it, they are just unhealed or they, they have their own wounds, right? That kind of get pushed out in a different way. So one is the victim and the other one is the perpetrator, right? But in the end, it's just, I see them energetically how they intertwine and the need of one to be rejected is fed by the other one's need of leaving and, uh, you know, being distant and avoidant and so on. So work relationships, the same, the way you interact. I have an example actually from um, very many years ago in a, in a job, I had someone in the job that people were very, well, not liking okay. her very much. Like they were even crying because of her and stuff like that. I never had a problem with this person. I actually enjoyed working with her. We were really, it was the same person. And that's, we're going into whatever you have inside gets pushed out. I never had a problem because I didn't have a projection on her of being anything, mean, whatever you, you want to call that person. For me, it was like, you know, I treat her as a human being. We had a very good work connection. We got on so well. The same person hated by half of the office. Wow. So what does this tell you? That tells you that within you have certain beliefs that get created, pushed out into the world through the people you attract, through the situation you attract. It goes from love to money to everything. So, um, you know, there is this concept in the manifestation world about everyone is you pushed out. And everyone, Say that again? Some, some everyone, is, everyone you. is you pushed out. Wow. And then there are people who say, no, he's a jerk. Why? How? I'm not a jerk. I'm, and the whole point is to actually look at it. They can compliment you in terms of like, they can mirror you, but they can also, you can be exactly the opposite of what they are showing you. However, they are showing you something that is within you. So everyone is you pushed out is more of the idea of whatever triggers you in someone else is something that you have to work on yourself. It's not that they are not responsible for being assholes. However, if you're accepting the asshole behavior, that means boundaries are not so high. That means somewhere you think you don't deserve more um, and you're just accepting breadcrumbs. So everyone is you pushed out. And it's so empowerful, I'm empowering. I mean, there are people who are like, oh my God, he left me, he cheated on me, blah, blah, blah. We all went through that, right? 
However, how about you just say he was perfect or she was perfect for me to see where I was still bleeding from an old wound because he showed me or she showed me exactly where I was in terms of what I thought about the world, what I thought about men, what I thought about relationships and so on. So everyone is a gift if you choose to, 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 to uh, look at it that way. And also it's empowering to actually say, I am in charge of my reality. And if something doesn't go, I can say, no, thank you. I'm done with this and I'm choosing something else. But then we are human beings who love free drama. Will, and free will. That's the free will. The free will is not in creating. I, I do believe that every reality and every possibility exists already. The free will comes into place when you're choosing a certain path. Right. So that's why I don't think that there is a set future for an, er, anyone. And if you're going to even a healer can actually give you a possible future according to your energy and your choices in that moment. But if tomorrow you wake up and you make a different choice, your entire trajectory changes. So there is a choice of, oh, my God, I have this core wound. I'm really blah, blah. My parents treated me. They abandoned me. They whatever. And then you're going through life, seeing problems as problems, or you can just say, okay, this is an experience that I wanted, my soul wanted to have. I learned this. I let everyone go. I forgive everyone. And I just choose from a place of power, not from a place of fear of being left, hurt, and so on. Beautiful, beautiful. I love the explanation. Um, Anastasia, when it comes to wound, the wound of injustice, what does that mean? When you felt, let me just uh, gather my uh, my thoughts because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things to say. So the people who have a wound of injustice have a very strong desire to better the world. Okay. So people with a wound of injustice come. You will see them in the all kinds of humanitarian work and all kinds of people that are involved in you know saving the planet, saving the animals, and so on. And uh, this is a very strong indicator. So if you are a person that suffers tremendously, um, like really suffers that about all the injustice in the world, that's a strong emotional reaction when you witness some kind of injustice. That is your that means you have at some point um went through an experience that activated or created this injustice wound in, in yourself so when you witness any kind of unnecessary injustice in the world and that makes you really like either you know strong strongly disagreeing or really suffering like you're not you know you're good for nothing also Another indicator for the window of injustice is you're struggling with uh, giving up control in the sense that when you, let's say you have an assistant and you tell them to take care of some stuff and then you still feel the need to check on it, that everything is done and you still feel the need to maybe do it yourself because you somehow feel that if you do it yourself, you do it better than, you know, everything is going to go well, uh, you have control over it. Uh, so micromanaging is like a real indicator of, uh, of the wound of injustice. And also the need to trust comes into play as well with the, with the need to, to, to give up control. We struggle with the thing that we cannot, like, I don't have such a, a strong, I didn't have such a strong wound of injustice, but people, people with the wound of injustice struggle to, 
to letting go of, um, to trusting, okay. right? To trusting. So that's why you're going and controlling. I wanted to check that everything is okay. I need to check because, right? So yeah, I, I think that that's the main thing in terms of injustice. So, so how it happens is in your early life, something happened, the situation, someone, you know, created this thing that you were not responsible for. But it's a, you know, it's not like, oh, you came too late from home. So I will just, um, you know, you're not allowed to go out for the next, we're not talking about this kind of, you had a schedule, you didn't stick to it. So this is the consequence. I'm talking about a major happening that made you feel like this is not fair, like being punished for someone else's did like for example i'll give you an example from my own life i was always punished that my brother was a messy boy he was seven years younger and he would just like you know you know turn the house upside down the and then my mom would be like you sorry? took the blame i was made to clean after him all the time also if he was scolded i would get a slap as well just because it needs to be fair <laughs> on the brothers so yeah, it's it's this idea of like things repeatedly happening to you that you felt un, you know, unjustly punished or uh, mistreated. Wow. Yeah. And and like you say, and the only way we can find out is if we pay close attention, like if we know about certain things, because we would think it's normal, right? But say for example, yeah. in, in in that situation or that example, it's like okay, I have to pick up over him. If one gets punished, then we would get punished. But then it's like, my room is intact. I've done everything within my right to make sure everything is clean. When it comes to the wound of neglect, what does that look like? So there's uh, people on a spectrum and then there's a middle one. So one of the indicator of a wound of neglect, there's on at one end you would have the person who is super hyper independent they think they can do everything by themselves they they will do they are overwhelmed however they are coping they are absolutely functional on this also they will take care of everyone they will be their family's hero they will kind of get together with partners that need them to be everything wow. hero savior partner father all these kind of things, right? So we have, they are very sensitive to criticism as well because they were neglected in their childhood. So everything they do, they want to be validated. They want to, um, I, 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 I dated someone like that. Um, and it, it, it kind of like filled my heart with love when I saw that, you know, being in the, in the family dynamic and people coming to, to him and, um, thanking him and you know like you're our hero and then you were like you see how much they love me and you see of course i recognized at that moment that it was his inner child that was reveling in this you know however yeah normally um people with a wound of neglect are hyper independent but then there is at the uh, at the other end of the spectrum where it, you're highly codependent oh. and very it's very difficult to act even in very mm, easy circumstances. Like for example, I don't know, you open a bottle of something and it just pops out and you're like absolutely not moving, not know what to do. And they have this idea of um, kind of blaming the outside world for everything that happens to them. So you're highly dependent. 
And then there is the third, the hybrid, which is, I call it hybrid. It's, uh, it's hyper independent when it comes to, you know, everything contro- controlling, but quite dependent in relationships. And that's, that's the lazy kind of individual, the one who will want to cut corners, who will, they know they don't give a hundred percent, but they will make it look like, for example, you're at work and they, they are part of a team and they, they, they make it look like they are really working hard. However, they are counting on other people around them to do their work while they are like, they know they are quite relaxed about it. So the, the hybrids are people, for example, that would, um, who would look for a partner that is higher in status, more money because they want things quick. Okay. They don't want to work for what they get, can get. So, um, they will be, um, yeah, looking at people who are higher in status, older, and that they can help them push forward, right? So this is, they also are the people who, when they go back to family dynamics, they kind of revert to being teenagers again. So you're okay, you know, in the real world, let's just say in the 3D, you're absolutely functional and so on. But when you go home, you become that teenager boy that your uncle knows and you're all of all of these kind of the tendencies come out, wow. right? Yeah. So that's that's in a nutshell. I mean, there's a lot of things in, to be said about. In a, um, like, say, for example, as a partner, as a girlfriend, as a best friend. Um, mm-hmm. Say, for example, if we're dating or we're in a relationship, how can we support an individual? Does that make sense? Because sometimes it's like, okay, I now look at it from this end, and it's your inner child healing, or like we see things from a different lens. How can we maybe support an individual? Does that make sense? So you're in a relationship and you're looking at all these things and you see the trauma as kind of trauma like, bonding like kind of thing. At you and you're like, whoa. Exactly. Yeah. So there are two ways to go about it. If you want to normally, especially people who have an abandonment wound or a rejection wound, they, they, they get themselves into projects, people who can, they can save, okay. right? Because that's where their worthiness comes from. You know, I'm taking care of you. I'm overextending. I'm like, I'm the, I'm the doormat because, you know, you need to see me and so on. So somehow we kind of get into the role of a healer for someone who didn't ask for it. You're not, you cannot be a partner, you know, that person who is sexually attracted to us and they are healer of course we heal in relationships we come together and the the way i think the the best way to support each other is to actually communicate right okay i see you and i see myself this is what happens when this happens and if there is that willingness to actually move uh, into a different space, the willingness to hear the other person when they speak instead of just listening to react, then healing can happen and, you know, you grow together. However, I do believe that working on your own stuff will actually clear a lot of the things happening in relationships. So don't go in with the idea of I need to fix him because he's the problem, right? Or she's the problem. I'm talking as a woman who's, yeah. He's the problem. If he was different, then I would be different. No, I'm actually, whatever I'm doing, meditation, therapy, journaling, healing, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing for me because I want to change me because I want to be better for me. And then you would notice that 
the dynamic changes. And of course, some relationships fall away because they are not on the uh-huh. same. One of them doesn't want to do the work. They don't want to meet you at the, at the level. So then obviously it's a natural thing that happens. You're just going separate ways. However, the best way to support your partner is to actually mind your own business <laughs> instead of thinking that they are worse than you and they need help first. No, no condescending, uh, you know, like spiritual, how do you call it? A spiritual uh, superiority, right? We're all at a different level of understanding, but we're not better or and, worse. And sometimes it can be hard. Like say, for example, if we do the inner work and we see that the energy, the dynamics is not changing and you want to progress, you want to heal, you want, and what, what advice would you give to anyone that's going through that? But that's like, wow, I just had a baby with you. We just married. We bought a house. And it's like, I feel like this weight on my shoulders because it's like I've healed. I'm doing the inner work. I'm trying. I'm getting out of my comfort zone. And the other half is not entertaining it. They don't want to dance tango with you. mm -mm. No. I always say that if you're still in that relationship, there's something else that needs to unfold. Because if you, you were done, you were done right? I don't, um, obviously, we're not talking massive abuse. I'm not talking about staying in relationships that really put you down, that really, you know, like controlling. And I'm talking about, you know, the normal, yeah, he did this, he did that, blah, 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 blah. I'm not a promoter of, oh, if it doesn't work, mm-hmm. you know, just like, give it up. Relationships are not easy. Partnerships are not easy. Marriage is not easy. Never. Neither neither is divorce, neither is breakup, neither is, you know. And that's also a belief we have, right? I, if, okay, when I'm not going into one of those like uh, little childhood uh, moments of tantrums that everyone has, and I actually look from a perspective of, okay, dynamic energy, two people coming together, there's always, again, I'm going back to the gift because there's, they are such a gift. You're okay. You're seeing yourself change and maybe you're noticing they're not. However, do you expect them to stay the same? Because I had a belief that my partner would not do this or would not do that. And then I changed the way I was thinking about it. And I was like, what if he did? What if I saw him, you know, like we have this mental chatter all the time. Like, you know, we fight in our heads or we keep them in a specific way of being. However, we can use that time to actually see them in a different light and see if that changes everything. Because, for example, I had friendships where they were very annoyed with me that I was late. And for some reason, because I'm not saying that I wasn't late because of my own stuff. However, those people were expecting me to be constantly late. And even with my best intentions, sometimes I would leave home at the right time. Something would happen on the way. I would be stuck in traffic. Out of my control, I was late. And at some point I was like, can you please stop expecting me to be late everywhere? Because sometimes I leave on time and things happen in the way. So your resistance, it's actually, I don't know, it's energy, right? So... I'm not saying cut off your awareness. You need to see the people in the, in the way that they are. However, 
don't project and keep them stuck in a specific way of being because if you are willing to change, if you've done so much work on yourself, anyone is capable of change. There just has to be the way. If you say about a person, they're not going to change, they're not going to change, I know them, they're not going to change. Probably not. But another person can look at them and say, but they are great with uh -huh. me. You understand what you're talking about because they, are, because they don't have that projection and expectation about them. So if you're still in that relationship, there is still something that you have to, I don't want to say learn, but experience. And you will know instinctively where, okay, this is, this is, I, I did what I had to do here, or I, you know, experienced everything that I, my soul wanted to experience. It's time to actually open up to new things. That, but that's a, that's about awareness yeah, and listening to yourself, 100%. right? So being aware, being conscious about yourself is the key to everything around. Anastasia, when it comes to the wound of humiliation, what does that look like? So that is about, okay, how does it feel to have that wound as, as a person? What are the indicators? First of all, you're a little bit uncomfortable with yourself. You, ha you have a kind of discomfort in your own body. You are also hypersensitive. And by hy hypersensitive, I don't just mean to criticism, but to anything, you know, um, you're picking up at people's moods. You think everything is your fault. Like you have this, um, you have this great desire to never be humiliated or never humiliate someone. So you're always thinking like, if I said this, how would they feel? Yeah. Right. So you're always mindful of not putting anyone in a, in a, in a difficult situation. So you become hypersensitive towards potential uncomfortable, awkward situations for the other people. I had that wound and that came up from back in the days, my family and friends were reuniting everyone with their kids on tow and the dads were wanting to show what amazing strict parents they are. So they would be like, my daughter is lazy. She's not doing her homework. She's not listening to her mother, blah, blah, in front of 10 adults and a few kids. Or I go to school and I have this, you know, back in the days we were writing with fountain pens and we were not allowed to rip pages. If we were doing a mistake, we were not allowed to rip pages. So what I did was I ripped the page. And my dad said, you go to the teacher tomorrow and you're going to tell her that you ripped the page from your homework book. I was too ashamed to go and say to that teacher, my father showed up at the big break and was like, I just want to make sure that my daughters did what I told her to do. It was a joke to him. However, this woman, my teacher, gathered everyone, 37 kids or whatever, and was like, so you're not allowed to speak to Maria. Maria Anastasia, I have two names. You're not allowed to speak to her because she did something that I asked not to do. She ripped the page out of her homework. So for That's about traumatizing. For, yes, that was traumatizing because the kids were looking at me like I had the plague. Yeah. And I was there sitting and all these eyes on me, no one would talk to me. It didn't last long for about an hour. And that was a very long time. I remember in my class I was talking and my teacher made me stand up for an hour. An hour and you're just standing there for an hour. It, even though it's not long, it is long. <laughs> so that that clearly creates a yeah. humiliation when, when you're actually put on the spot in front of people and I was crying most of the time because I was fe I felt so yeah. bad that I just wanted to hide somewhere um, and a lot of times people who have a humiliation wound um, 
they have a bit of a loser mentality in terms of that they get to pity themselves, but then also um, they get strength from it. And I know this because I've told the stories of my humiliation moments a lot of the times because I was getting validation from it. Like my parents were like, obviously they knew what they knew. Everyone was doing the same thing. We were all compared to each other's friends. Like, okay, what Mark? Why can't you be more like her? Why can't you? Like, it was a union way of raising children. However, when you're five, six, that, that's, a, that's a massive trauma for you, right? So that's trauma. It doesn't have to be something big, it, but it, it's something that really stuck with you. That, that creates a wound. So a lot of the times what is happening during, for example, puberty, they start to identify themselves with subcultures like emo, okay. punk, gothic, whatever subculture, uh, you know, makes them feel kind of special, right? It's they're trying to express their self in a more or less of an extreme way. So if you have the phase like that, for example, that's that's the wound of humiliation talking wow. right so there's a tendency to celebrate weirdness there is a sense of celebrating the uniqueness but in a negative okay. way like you're the weirdo like I'm, okay. I'm i'm weird i'm different i'm like whatever so it's not just a healthy kind of i'm unique yeah. right it's we're not talking about that we're talking about i'm weird and i'm not understood and you know you guys suck and stuff like that. Another indicator would be being the class clown. Okay. So using humor, that was me, for example. I didn't have the emo phase or anything like that, but I had uh, um, using humor to delay, to overcompensate okay. the awkward okay. situations happening. Uh, I was downplaying myself, my, my feelings of inadequacy. Um, I wasn't crying. I was very... Uh, vocal about uh, crying is for weak people and I never cry. And you cry now? Whatever. I do. Especially after I had my son, like I cried at uh, movies. I, I, I cry at ads. It's, it's right? healing. Crying is healing. Crying. I do cry. cry. Very healing. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. And if I cannot, and I have a lot of um, my, my go-to um, uh, emotion is anger. This is how I went through life because it made me strong. Uh, and when I cannot get out of my head, for example, I'll do a shaking exercise, which makes me usually cry. Wow. So shaking is really, really good. And that's why like animals shaking, don't keep like shaking? shaking. You can go online on YouTube and you can find shaking exercise because you start from the ankles up. So there is a process. You do that for five minutes and then you start shaking the entire body. Animals don't keep hold on to trauma because the moment something happens, they will shake. That's why when you're dancing, when you're, you know, like all these embodiment things, you know, heal trauma, oh, right? You don't only have to talk about it. You, you need to, to do things for the body that will release it from your, from yourself. That's right? so interesting because I saw, um, I saw a female and she had an ad and she said healing trauma via belly dancing, but I didn't understand. But now that you say it, it all makes sense. It, it doesn't as well. Is stuck in the in the hip area in the sacral. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So belly dancing and yeah, I started dancing salsa and uh, bachata a few years ago, and I'm not a very good dancer. However, I'm much better than than, than I used to be, which was absolutely zero. However, I I do notice how happy it makes me, and after a night when I go out and I dance. 
there's there's a different uh-huh. energy in my body because obviously you're moving, right? So, and I also noticed I don't want to lose control, so I'll be stiff sometimes. Like you know, it depends on what who okay. I'm dancing with. Okay, so so by so, not being stiff, you have to loosen up more because you have to be able to be able to follow the steps of the other individual. The the, the thing is that I'm still in my head because I'm counting okay, steps, okay, okay. or I'm thinking, right? So I. Instead of actually letting uh-huh. myself go into the dance, I'm like, I'm ridiculous. Okay. Uh, look at me. Like, maybe I'm, okay. you know, like people are watching. So I'm still working on that. But that's why I'm doing these things. And I'm also doing classes for heels dancing, which is classes really heels. heels, you know? So heels is, dance. Is that when you, you use your heels? You dance okay. on heels. But it's very like very, yeah, yeah, sexual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen. So for me, that was like totally out of my comfort zone. And you can see, you it know, helps. the evolution yeah, yeah, of it. Like, and especially yeah. we have two yeah. more. Do you think we have time? Betrayal and rejection. Okay, betrayal and rejection. So betrayal uh, is when someone has been cheated on. Which one? Betrayal. Yes, but it's not only. Or in anything, um, in it's not only, betrayal is when someone, for example, you go and you tell your mother, "Please, I have yeah. this secret that I want to share with you. Please promise me you're not going to say anything yeah. to anyone." Like my son came and said, like, I like this girl. Please don't say to anyone. If I go and I share it with the family, I can interpret it as a young child as betrayal. You can, you know, like whatever you kind of uh, betrayed my trust, right? I trusted you to keep me safe. I trusted you to keep my secret. And so that that is the wound of betrayal. Whatever it, it shows up in your life, let me, let me just rephrase this. When you deal with a lot of like half-assed ma- manifestations, when you're like, if things are coming in for you, but they are not coming in completely because you are always, always expecting things, persons, people to fail you. And it's, it's, it's ingrained in you. It's like you're so used to not having your needs met that you would say like, oh, it's okay. You know, like, for example, we, we decide to go out together and you cancel on me at the last moment so uh, someone with a wound of betrayal would be like it's okay you know things happen stuff like that Uh, i understand however they will always keep track on that it's never it's okay i let it go it's always keeping it with yourself and never actually forgiving so it's a big lack of trust in people trusting in the process and there is a one extreme where a person struggles a lot with putting themselves first. So it's all about the others because you want to be liked. Um, they have a pattern in their lives where they have a history of being disappointed by people. They have a history of constantly meeting people that are incapable of putting their money where their mouth is. Right. So a lot of people that are, um, we're going to do this. I promise we're going to do this. Aww. And then nothing happens. So for example, if you, your dad told you, I'm you, yes, I'm going to come with you to see you're in the play and you, yeah. he didn't show up. That for you was a, um, a betrayal, right? Um, you are very forgiving. Um, but the problem is, as I said, you're never forgiving. You're just looking like you're forgiving. So you're expecting basically all the time people to, to leave you, to betray you, to, to, to push you aside. And this shows up in relationships a lot when, uh, people, in fr- friendship as well, when people just choose to not include you in their plans, forget about you, you know, because you're insignificant, right? So I think that's it in terms of uh, of betrayal. And the Rejection. other one, which was... 
rejection. Now, is that again, people pleaser? Yes, it is people pleasing, but it also, uh, you're looking for, and that's abandonment okay. too, in terms of like, you're doing anything you can uh-huh. to not uh, let people, to, to keep people in your life. But <clears throat> rejection is also about, obviously comes from childhood when you're, maybe you wanted to go out and then you would be like, you can't go out like that. Or, um, you know, uh, people who you would be wanting to be very cuddly and they would be like, Oh, just leave me. You know, there are, there are parents who are not very uh, and if you're coming from a place of you needing that affection that doesn't come, then you feel, you feel rejected. So in basically in later in life and later in life, you're going to hold back. (gasps) So you have on one hand, you're holding back. You're like, you know, Uh keeping your distance. You're, always overthinking did did i say this right you're formulating in your head you're always afraid that you're going to come across as ridiculous that you're not enough in essence right so uh, being an overachiever uh, having a very high unrealistic expectation of yourself but not so much of other people other people they're okay okay they're they they have human flaws it's okay you in in for example you need to be perfect you're never enough so if you're saying things on a daily basis, like this is not good enough, I'm not good enough, this is too good to be true, that's never going to happen to me, or when you're constantly thinking that when something is good is happening, you're immediately thinking that there has to be something, you know, like you're waiting for the, for the shoe to drop. So that's an indicator that you have the, the wound of rejection. So obviously the other thing is you find a person who likes you and then you become emotionally attached to that person you can you become clingy wow. right and you're counting on that person to validate you yes so mindful of that when you're actually like is this okay should i do this what do you think about this counting too much on external uh-huh. validation is a, is a wound of of rejection are these done during childhood or can they change depending on what we go through in life so it can they can be acquired also later like in your teenage years so definitely when your dad left for example that created a wound you were not like a very small child they we can have one we can have two we can have them all in different uh-huh. ratios we work on them so some get activated at different times in your life um, and as i said these are just like the major core wounds but you you have parents that have their own core wounds that project that are projected onto you. So that those becomes become different patterns of behavior. So there's an inter, I, I don't even know how to say it, but there is a like an intertwining of things going on, but it's not like, okay, they come from your childhood and you have to be with them. But one is more prominent from what I noticed working with clients and myself as well. And uh, the other ones can be, we're all rejected at some point. We're all humiliated. We're all neglected because we all coming from, you know, parents who were not emotionally maybe available to us. I did my own things with my son, even though I knew what I, you know, I, I was seeing it. I was like, wow, like I'm still creating from the same place of unconsciousness that I learned when I was. So it's a constant improvement. Anastasia, what is your favorite book? Oh, I have so many. I can't. Don't make me choose one because I love self-development books. I love, um, 
I used to live, uh, I used to, um, I started with things like the Toltec Wisdom by, um, is that good? Ruiz. So Toltec Wisdom is, it's, he's a, he's a, he's a shaman, I think. At, at, uh, I uh, came across him from Giselle Bunchen out of all people back in the days when I wasn't even like pregnant. So that was a long time ago. And she was talking in an interview about uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. Sounds familiar. And he's, so he's got a book called the four agreements. Okay. Uh, he's got a lot of things. And that was one of the first self-development uh, books or a group of books that I read. And I still find, yes, I still, I would still revert to them because of their simplicity. However, then I moved into obviously uh, Gabby Bernstein, uh -huh. uh, Dr. Dan Wire, um, Wayne Dyer, sorry, Wayne Wire. <laughs> oh, we recognize it. We pick it up. Wayne Dyer, sorry, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm constantly reading stuff. So I wouldn't be able to tell you this is my favorite because there is no such thing. I love, I love, uh, attached okay. book, the attached book, um, that more, that's more psychology. Um, yeah, there's many, many beautiful, beautiful. And if you had a billboard on the side of the highway, what would you say? Stand up tall, there's no one like you. Mm, that's so beautiful. And knowing where you are now, what advice would you give your younger self? You are beautiful, amazing, believe in yourself, and you are the creator of your reality. A hundred percent. So yeah. Think. Think happy exactly, thoughts. Exactly. That is which is not necessary. I'm not uh, pushing the whole uh, don't repress, yeah. right? But I'm just saying in terms of I had a lot of self-worth. So for me, it's all this, believe in you, you're amazing, you're chosen, you're, you're, you're wanted, you're adored, and you're everything. Beautiful. That's, that's, that's so nice. That's so sweet. Out of all the courses you have taken, which one would you recommend? I formed as a Theta Healer. <gasps> have you? Oh yes. my God, this is, is amazing. Like, honestly, I didn't even have a clue. So... So listen to this. I I did an interview with um really bad with names, but basically she does astral projection, and we did an interview. Oh, yeah. I think I know. If she's the famous one, I did a course I with her. She's a millionaire. She's self-made millionaire. Uh, she's based in Utah. Um, and then and Maybe so 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 she does actual projection, and then in her course she says, "Oh, um, out of all the courses I do, I would recommend." this course because my husband is it and he does theta healing and i was like what what is theta healing and then i did an episode on on, on theta healing and then the girl did a session on me amazing amazing because i was in a period where i was in colombia i was in medellin i had no family around me and it's like i was craving something outside i was constantly going out i was constantly going out clubbing i was constantly searching for things that were outside and i knew that in the city i didn't have no family so i thought it's maybe because i don't have any family it's because maybe i feel lonely and as soon as she did this fatal healing i felt like she gave me life i felt like she gave me 10 years of life oh my god it was amazing yeah, it's just energy alchemy because this is a, so. Yes, I trained as a, a theta healer, and then I moved into discovering access consciousness as well. I'm an access bars uh, facilitate um, practitioner, sorry, and also energetic facelift. What is so, that? Energetic uh, facelift. 
it's a hands-on experience. It's basically body processes uh, that have names. And it, there is a sequence that you touch someone's um, like chest and, and head. And, and it's, it's about, yeah, rejuvenating, but f- body processes, energetic body processes that actually work on anything from wrinkles to illnesses and stuff like that. And the, the bars is more to do with the, all the unconsciousness that you have stuck. So basically bars is three, 32 points on a, on the head and you just basically touch them lightly. So because they are mirrored, we call them bars. And the moment you're touching them, um, there's specific things. Imagine like your brain is with like fingertips a hard drive, right? Or with you needles. Have, yeah, okay. Just fingertips. So it's just a matter of lightly touching. So bars, uh, it's like your your brain is like a hard drive. Sometimes it has a lot of files that are old. They are, you know, like they need to be. So bars, what bars does is actually helping you restore and clear up all that stuck Uh energy and everything that you have created, all the points of view you have about things like money, relationships, and so on. So running your bars regularly is another thing that I recommend. But... um, yeah, Theta, for some reason, you know, like I've done a lot of things. I've done courses in like have family, you done Reiki? energy. I have been initiated in Reiki level one. Um, somehow I think that because activation of Reiki happens in access when I do facelift uh, and bars, it works. It's energy, right? Like all these modalities, they have all these names, but in the end, we all work energy. with okay. energy. So... Um, yeah, Theta for sure. I, I keep coming back to it because it's Honestly, like... the whole world needs to know about Theta. Like, like everywhere <laughs> I go, everyone does Reiki, Reiki, Reiki. So, so when I did the episode and she mentioned that sometimes I catch onto things and I make no, and then I thought, I have no clue. I should know about this. And as soon as I did a session, I was like, the whole world needs to yeah. know about this. Yeah. I use Theta in my sessions. I, this is actually what I do. Like energetic, when I do energy healing mm-hmm. sessions, as compared to mindset, depends so whatever the client needs. But when I do energy healing, I do use a lot of and paper. and you do do you do oh, what's it called? Is it soul retrieval? So yes, that's one of the things that I do. Oh normally. my god, the whole one needs yeah. to know about this because she did soul retrieval on me, yeah. and um, I work in healthcare, so I used to. Well, I mean, I don't know if I'm gonna go back to it, yeah. but basically, um, she took my energy back from my patients places where you left them yeah so 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 i saw a lot of patients die so she kind of like took it back and for the people that may not understand how can we explain it again going back all is energy right and you create your reality with the with the things you believe if you believe that eating apples every day will keep you slim trust me it will keep you slim because that's your belief and no one can move you from that the moment so in theta for example it, there is a uh, the the process is you and the client go into a meditative state and you're going to that theta brain wave which dr joe dispenza does as well and does it really cool because he he also proves scientifically with uh machines okay. on site to okay. him, Exactly. They basically show you how your brain changes when you go into Theta. So, and that's on site. You go to a re- to, to one of his retreats and, you know, they will demonstrate the hard coherence and everything. Anyway, that's a, that's a totally different topic. But 
um, the moment you're going into that relaxed state and you're going into theta, you're opening yourself up to information, to energy from, you know, whatever you want to call creator, field, whatever. So in that space, you're open. It's that it's that uh, brainwave when you're going to sleep, but you're not quite asleep. And sometimes you have these like vivid kind of like knowings and it's a dream, but it's not a dream. So it's the kind of that kind of thing. So um, in that moment, you're open to information. And in that moment, you're starting maybe having images or you're knowing stuff because we're all connected, right? Through DNA line, through, you know, different aspects of ourselves are everywhere. You, we, our soul is experiencing dif different things in different realities and dimensions. So when she did soul retrieval on you, basically all those places you left a little bit of your soul, she just, it's an intention, right? It's a command. It, it, she commanded them to, to come back. She washed them in light, energetic, you know, white light, and she reintegrated because we do that every experience we have, every person we meet, every time we touch someone, we leave that energy stays with us and we leave energy with them. And it's very important when, when we do soul retrieval in terms of like you had heartbreaks, you had really uh, experiences like, you know, seeing people die and stuff like that, that the impact, the shock of that experience lets a part of you there so you're feeding that part where you're where's the pain or the shock or whatever the trauma that was you're feeding it that's the whole point the whole point with inner child work as well instead of you feeding those moments in time that don't exist anymore right you bring them back you do the healing you allow the energy to transform and your healing is just upgrading. It's just, you know, working on clearing up your, your gunk, nothing else. Like some people are like, Oh, energy healing. What the hell is this? Like woo woo stuff. It, it's not, it's, it's like taking a shower, right? You're clearing up. So you need to do it internally as well. And everything that, you know, 99% of your thoughts are not even yours. We are receptive. You're, we go on. The yeah. So basically, I think it's your responsibility to take care of your inside just as much as your outside. It's not enough to say, oh, I believe in God. However, you're lying. You're, you know, like it, it's this idea of your energy, whatever you're speaking needs to match that. You, you don't go out smelling, right? Because whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. people would smell and they would be like, what the hell? So why not clean up inside? So it's like taking an energetic shower. <laughs> yeah, No, beautiful. Honestly, it works. It works. It works. It works. Because as soon as she did it, I felt like I had 10 years of life as well with, um, have you ever heard of emotional freedom technique? Yes, of course. EFT, EFT. I do it with my clients. But so, so when I did this, so, so I interviewed Brad Yates and he came on the show and he did it. He did. And I had to do it. I started crying and I was like, ah, ah, on, on, on live on camera. And I was just like, whoa, this works. Anastasia, tell me about you. Tell me about your services. How can we connect? How can listeners connect with you? Okay. So I have an Instagram platform where I'm most, most active. So, and that's underscore Anastasia gold. And that's where I usually share 
most of my content. I'm trying to work on my TikTok and uh, the website is coming as well. That's where I am at right now. In in my bio, bio you will see links to my, you know, to my Calendly, to my um, offer. Also to, I did a workshop on emotional wounds if you want to go deeper into that. But also there is also a, a very cool shadow meditation and also a blueprint, a process that I use for my clients as well. You can find it in the bio, in the, in the Instagram um and it's called heal your emotional wounds workshop and it's free so basically all you have to do is you know take the time to 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 watch it it's a two-day workshop and that's i think that's that's the best way to contact me right now apart from from an email but i'm always in um in dms in in instagram beautiful do you ever do retreats like do you ever like do like next ah my that's my next on my list you know like my my by bucket list, let's just I, say. I think it would be so good. Like, you have so much to offer, feeds, like, all these other things. You're doing meditations, even if it's, like, partnering up with a sound. Heal. I don't know, just anything so beautiful. I see it. I see it happening. It's so beautiful. We need to we need to stay in touch for that. A hundred percent. I do work, and I'm, I told you this, I am working on my podcast. Because I, I used to be, I trained as a journalist. Like, my first... So you're very good at this. You're very good at research. You're very good at putting things together. You're very good at, honestly, podcasting. I think, I think, honestly, sixty-five percent, seventy-five percent is research. Honestly, no, definitely. But I love interviewing people. Like for me, that's like finding out the story of a person and stuff like that. So for me, I, that's definitely a platform that I, I have, I've started. I have a few episodes recorded. I just need to work on my editing skills and that's everything. No, but uh, yeah, podcasting, I think, I mean, interviewing people. Does it have a name? Like, have you, have you, have you, ha, is it do public? have a name. It's, it's actually called Anastasia Unfiltered. Oh, beautiful. Okay. So coming soon, we have the podcast. We have the retreats. Would you ever write a book? I would. Yes. Beautiful. beautiful. Uh, yes. I think I would at some point. Yes. At some point. <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to share? We have the the services that you have, the links on the Calendly, everything else, anything else? No, I think we talked about everything, like my my one-to-one container, my bars practice, Mm -hmm. my facelift. I think that what I want to share is this. My biggest, I am the biggest fan of power couples, of people coming together working as a team and I'm not talking about fairy tale, you know, uh, Cinderella stuff. I'm just talking about people who are coming together to better the world and yeah. how can you better it better than actually working on yourself, working on businesses that create more high vibes and having emotionally healthy children. Yes. And that comes from, yeah, I, my, I don't want to call it my mission because it's so big. However, for me, it's seeing people coming together. For me, love, that's why I call myself a love activist. And that's what I am preaching. Yeah. Getting together. Relationship. I I, I love that, honestly, because sometimes in the world we live in and with the social media and the choices and the Tinder and the Bumble, and it's like we stop making more effort because we think we have so many choices. But if we just took the time to unite, to come together, to make peace, to heal, it's like knowing that by just being able to see, I actually don't know anyone, honestly, I was thinking about this, within my family, within friends, within my community that I admire. I, I, for me to say, I there's one couple... I don't have any. So for me, it's like, I don't know. 
like, not existing, unnatural. Is yeah, for me, it's non-existent. Yeah. For me, it's an idea of in the fairy tales, like the fairy tale realm, because I do not have it. So for you to say that is a very big deal, because when we do have children, it's like then children do do see. It. I I remember I dated this um this boy when I was in Colombia, and his parents have been together since the age of fourteen. So it's like for him that all that is all he knows he knows partnership he's he knows like getting through the obstacles that is very very beautiful even though they were young and now he's got like step siblings from and he got messy but at least they're still together and but at least he has that impression at least he's able to look at his parents and it's like i was just like wow that's so beautiful because it's like at least he knows that the day and he he got married very young so he's my age so he's he got married and he was married for like what six years he was in a partnership for six years mm. so at the age of 18 19 and it's even though that's very young but at least <laughs> i know i know i, know. I want i always wanted to get married like for me for me that was the whole point like probably i don't know uh, star signs and stuff like that relationships for me that was like really the focus all the time and it's not only romantic but I really, I just wanted to get married and have children and, and that's it. For me, being in a partnership, being with someone that I can be safe with and grow with and do things together and have fun together and, and so on. That For me, it's more important than, you know, like having multiple partners. Like, yes, experience, it's really great. And yes, we have more than one possible partner that we can choose from. Yes. However, I encourage everyone to go deeper to when when things get tough look at yourself and go from a place of it's it's showing me something but how can we go past it and how can we you know stay together but in a in a healthy way i'm not talking about attachment i am talking about you know with peace with peace with with love with just integrity yeah uh -huh. being there for each other and not the neediness of see me but the actual, hey, I choose you and I choose myself and every day is a, is a new adventure. Because every day we start new, unless we are waking up with the same chatter from the day before. We start new and you can start and ask yourself, like, who am I today? What adventures can I have today? You know, like I let go of everything that I was yesterday because today it's it's a new me. So I think that this is the, and this is, I think, something that Russell Brand, I've read in a book by Russell Brand when it's about, don't choose me forever. Don't promise me you're going to be with me for the rest of your life because that's a huge promise. And usually it, it kind of like completely like, what? No, no, no. Choose me today. Choose our relationship. Choose us today. Tomorrow you're going to make the same choice. Choose every day. It doesn't have to be a 50-year year plan. It has to be one step at a time. I love that. Yeah, one day, one choice. And in access, we say this, you live your life in 10 seconds increments. Live your life in 10 seconds increments. In 10 seconds, you have a new choice. What are you going to choose? What are you going to choose? And by that, we build routine. We build stability. We build a foundation. So just one, without the pressure. 
right? Because sometimes when we say in 10 years time, I'll, I'll promise I'll be here forever. We add so much pressure to ourselves it. and it's like, we're diminishing and it's like, we're closing up. But it's like, like you say, just take it easy with peace. So for me, peace is a very big one. Like if I don't have peace, I don't want it. Like, honestly, I've been through like so much. I'm just like, please give me Enjoy peace. Enjoy as well. It's having fun with the other person and thinking, okay, uh, I mean, we can definitely go, as you said, contracting and you do this and da, da, da. But then you're like, I read a book a long time ago and that was one of the best books that I could read. And I saw men in a totally different way. And it's nothing to do with uh, energy healing. It's a, call, it's a book by Alan Pease that is called Why Men Lie and Women Cry. And basically it looks at the whole um, genetics and primitive, like the men were built like this and the women were... Uh-huh. I got so much understanding and then so much compassion and tolerance for men because I just realized we're built differently physiologically, the way we... So that's a book that I would actually recommend. I still remember it and I read it more than 15 years ago. Wow. I need I need, I need, need to read it. I need that to put down the to-do list. Anastasia, thank you so much. Thank Your you. light shines so bright. I see so many beautiful things coming. I see the retreat happening. We have the services that you offer and we also hopefully in the near future we have the book coming as well and the podcast soon to be soon to be that's like 75% ready um so thank you so much for coming on the show thank you so much for coming on the show thank you well thank you because you're doing such a you see you're doing a podcast you're so young and you're so full of like projects and everything and so thank you so much for actually having me because that's that's inspiring